Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books Institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. We have with us today Father Gregory Boyle. He's a Jesuit priest and founder of Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles. He is the author of other things, notable books, uh, one Tattoos on the Heart and other Barking to the Choir, very successful publications. His latest book is The Whole Language, The Power of Extravagant Tenderness. That is our topic today. Welcome, Father Boyle. Happy to be with you. Uh, first, background question. Uh, let our audience know, what, what is Homeboy Industries? Homeboy Industries uh, is 34 years old. It was uh, founded in uh, Boyle Heights uh, in a very poor parish where we had eight gangs at war with each other. And it is currently the largest gang intervention, rehab, and reentry program on the planet. Really? <laughs> that, that's... Well, 35 years. Uh, and, and, well, maybe I should ask, you know, for if people want to go look at your work, look at Homeboy Industries, what is what is the website name? It's uh, homeboyindustries.org. Easy enough. Okay, okay. Uh, the book now uh, draws a great deal from your experience with Homeboy Industries. You've got some very powerful moving, uh, sometimes sad, uh, portraits of a lot of the, the people whom you have, to whom you've been ministered. You say at the beginning, quote, The world kind of yawns at religion, but snaps to attention when offered the authenticity and authority of the fluent, mystical, non-dualist, the, those words. What do you mean? Well, you know, I, I think we've uh, grown accustomed to drawing the lines when mysticism seeks to erase the line. So, you know, uh, this this guy is good and that guy is bad and this person is stupid and, and this person is smart. You know, there, there are all these dualities in these lines that aren't very helpful, aren't very sophisticated, and aren't very reverent for how complex human beings are so i mean gang members have taught me that over the years so you can say oh this is a bad guy uh doing something bad but then you look at it and you go oh no this is a lethal absence of hope this is trauma this is damage this is mental illness suddenly you're you have found the thorn underneath that explains things 
And and that I mean I think this is the reason why it's not just about uh, you know yawning at religion, but it's also about how we've haven't made very much progress uh, in advancing uh, you know justice and peace and anti-racism and all the things that we want to kind of make progress on. Uh, we don't do very well with because we're we have these lines that we draw that aren't very helpful. Yeah. And for you, the the motivations, one way or the other, really come back to, you come back to one fundamental thing in all human beings. You say that nothing directs us more than, quote, our notion of God. How you conceive of what God is, who he is, what he does, that is a root uh, motivation or cause or, or direction or explanation for how people behave. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, you know, uh, Richard Rohr says, uh, you know, of course, everybody is going to say, um, you know, we are created in God's image and likeness. But he also say it's equally true that uh, people's image of God creates them, which is uh, very wise, it seems to me, because what happens is if your image of God is puny and exacting and judgmental and, um, you know, quick to be angry and wrathful, then you will be that in the world. So the trick is always to be in the world who God is, but to be in the world who God actually is, not our image, which can be um, very tiny. You know, we're, we're being invited to a spacious, uh, generous, expansive notion of God. And once you have that notion, you can, you can really uh, be in the world compassionate and loving and kind. You know, uh, Mirabai Starr, who I quote in the book, who's a mystic and writes about mystics, she says that uh, once you know the God of love, you fire all the other gods. And so that that's kind of a helpful thing for me, because, you know, it's about removing all the absurdities, the things that are, are so tiny, that the image of God created in my likeness, in my uh, image, you, you want to kind of uh, remove that so that you can more and more uh, become, uh, you know, expansive and magnanimous like the God we actually have. And getting to that magnanimity of God, is that what you mean by your phrase, which is somewhat echoed in the title, your phrase, the wholeness of God? We must understand the wholeness of God. Yeah, I mean, the goal is that how do we walk each other home to wholeness? How do we love each other into wholeness? And none of us are whole or well until all of us are whole and well. So you, you, you know, you want to, to um, you know, receive the tender glance from God, and then you want to be that tender glance in the world. And how you do that is you, you seek to, you know, uh, Make sure there is no daylight that separates us. How do you uh, remove the distance that keeps us from each other? 
So, you know, religion often has, has been anchored in a morality, but morality has never kept us moral, ever. It's only kept us from each other. It's only drawn the lines that separate us. And, and separation is an illusion. So you want to be able, this is why we don't make progress. And I think it's important to kind of underscore that because we want to make progress. We want our starting point to be um, healthy. You know, we want to begin with, I think, a notion that says everybody is unshakably good and we belong to each other. Those are two non-negotiables, I think. Then once you begin there, then you can kind of say, oh, you know, um, how do we how do we help each other? rather than demonize um, and and uh, separate and isolate. So there is no us and them. There's just, there's just us. And so we want to be able to somehow be uh, um, as large and as uh, spacious as the God we have. I imagine that you have come to this outlook uh, in part through the many youths whom you've encountered over these decades. You have many stories, powerful stories, of these encounters. Let me ask you, uh, what is it about you that prompts these often angry, suspicious, alienated, uh, sometimes violent, addicted young men to open up about themselves and their lives to you. What do you, what do you think? Is it, is it this approach? We're all us? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any, anything special or magical, frankly. I mean, I think if you allow yourself uh, to be reached by people at the margins and to receive them and to let your heart be altered by them, then, then together you're in with this exquisite mutuality together you're you're inhabiting your own uh, nobility and dignity and so so people come alive in the face of that people get to a place where they where they feel vulnerable and trusting and uh and so you know i i suppose and plus i've been doing this for a long time and i'm in um, you know, every single detention facility in Los Angeles County uh, on a rotating basis as a priest. So I just know a lot of gang members. And so there's a, I suppose there's some kind of, uh, you know, credibility or something that's, that's allowed me, especially in the, you know, in these last 20 years, I suppose. You know, so they kind of know what I'm about, I guess. And what Homeboy is about that we, you know, um, hope has an address, we say, about Homeboy. And so, um, you know, we're not really there for people who need us. A lot of people need us. But we're there for for, uh, folks who want to reimagine their lives and redirect them. So so people know who we are. And there are 120,000 gang members in L.A. County. I, I don't think there's a single one who doesn't know where we are who we are and what we do. So we're, we're there and, and we're visible and we're, you know, uh, in the center of the city. And, and, and so they come, you know, 10,000 a year, walk through our doors, uh, you know, wanting to imagine something. 
I, I think that the credibility that comes from your experience, uh, it, it, it should be respected, Father. Absolutely. Let me, let me ask, what is the common conception of God that the homies have before they, typically before they come to you? Well, I think that they, they have, even after they come to us, it's hard to shake, you know, a notion of the God who's eternally disappointed, who hmm. thinks you are thoroughly a bad person, and that you are not able to, to even be redeemed. And so, and that's, that's tough for people, you know, and, and it's hard to shake that. And the only way they're going to know that, that God loves them without measure and without regret is if you love them without measure and without regret. It's the only way, you know, you, you, you give testimony, you know, not with your words, but with your very being, you know, and, and so if you have found your true self in loving people and, and that's where the joy is, then it's contagious. People will look at it and they'll say, wow, you know, I understand this now, not because of some book I read or some conception I have, but because, you know, people have, have seen it and they have felt it and somebody saw them and somebody asked their name and, and and if people are cherished, then they're going to um, begin to really enjoy the joy there is in in cherishing themselves and others. So um, so that's the hope. And I and my experience has shown me that it's a kind of an undeniable truth that once people get a taste of such a thing, they are. Uh, you know, forever changed, and it becomes compelling. You know, you say at one point something that indicates, I, I think, this this different focus toward sort of notions of God. You, you, you've got to, you got to get them away from that conviction, God condemns you. You are already and forever condemned. Uh, you, you say... Something liberating happens when modifying our behavior ceases to be our first priority. Do, do you apply that to these, to these young men by not coming to them and say, stop this, stop what you're doing, uh, but instead to think differently about, about the world, about the Lord, uh, listen to these other words. Is that the approach? Yeah, I mean, at, at Homeboy, everybody there, you know, and gang members kind of run the place now, but no, nobody is really tripped up by behavior. So what we're trying to nurture into being is not uh, a community of behaving people, but a community of beloved belonging. And so everybody, you know, is able to ask the question, well, what does that behavior indicate what language is that behavior speaking so you know if a gang member suddenly breaks into a fight with somebody at the place you know it's an opportunity to sit down and kind of figure out what what is that about it it's not about conflict resolution because you know everything is about something else all violence is about something else so find the something else that's the that's the task. And so 
that that feels like a, a more helpful um, way of seeing this. And, and, and again, it's not a thing that I do. It's a thing that we do as part of our culture um, to really kind of address what undergirds, you know, if you will, behavior that's alarming or difficult. How do we, how do you get underneath it and, and heal it? So, so the idea is, you know, homeboy wants to announce a message. What if we were to invest in people rather than, you know, incarcerate our way out of stuff. So, so the hope of homeboy is that one day we will stop punishing wound and seek only to heal it. And, and in that way, homeboy wants to be the front porch of the house everybody wants to live in. Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Would you attribute, or maybe I should say, how much would you attribute their unfortunate notion of of God to the absence of fathers? Well, you know, certainly the father wound is a is certainly is writ large in their lives and in their hearts. But everybody that I know has, you know, a tortured. I think notion of of god that you have to work through you have to move beyond it you know and you know it it may have worked in 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 a certain sense in our life and in the last thousand years that for example the church has embraced sin as a, as a central notion it may have worked to keep people in line and behaving but I don't think you could make the case that it ever helped. It didn't bring people to, you know, a greater sense of love and compassion. It just never did. So a thing I've learned working with gang members is not everything that works helps, but everything that helps works. So you want to do the thing that, that, that helps that calls people to a greater love and calls, invites people to a greater imitation of the God we actually have. And so, and, and that's, that's, uh, I find a hopeful larger notion than do good and avoid evil and be afraid, be very afraid of the fires of hell or whatever it is that, that everybody had as a notion uh, at some point or another, you have to abandon that and say, no, God is not in any way like that. And so I'm not going to uh, be a part of that ever. Yeah. You, you note an edict out of Rome in 1954 that outlawed, quote, worker priests. What was that about? Well, that was where, where priests, um, Jesuits and others, you know, who wanted to be closer with working poor. 
And so they went and they went into factories and they worked with them alongside them. And finally, Rome uh, sort of outlawed it because it was, again, it was undermining Rome, the Vatican thought, it was undermining the notion of, uh, you know, the pedestal priest, you know, the, the priest who was uh, above the people and uh, who, who was holier and who was better and, and who had this uh, cultic role. And so that was, uh, you know, that was unfortunate because they, the, the worker priests were onto something that imagined if it had uh, come to that, if, if things had changed. It's interesting that the Pope recently sent a, a kind of a, what he called a beatitude Beatitudes for bishops, and it was a, it was a, you know interesting kind of catalog of you know if you did these things and embraced you know simplicity and and a whole series of things, you know people would look at you and and you know find integrity and the genuine following of of Jesus. So it's the same kind of notion. How do you how do you w- walk? and accompany people in a way that has integrity and is genuine. Yeah. Let me come back to the to the youths for a moment. You note one of them telling you that nobody really wants to be a gangster. Why then is that gangster identity so common among these youths? Well, everybody is born wanting the same thing. I mean, we're human beings, so we happen to have the same last name beings. And so everybody, you know, longs for the same kind of acceptance and love and affection and and connection in, in a sense of human uh, relational wholeness. So everybody wants that. But... Nobody has ever met a hopeful kid who joined a gang. A hopeful kid has never done it. And so, um, consequently, this is about a lethal absence of hope. It's about people who can't conjure up an image of what tomorrow will bring. And so their presence has no, isn't compelling for them. And if your presence doesn't compel you, then you're not going to really care whether you um, inflict harm or duck to get out of harm's way. That's how it works. That's the equation. And so um, it's not about, you know, bad kids choosing poorly. It's about people who are despondent or wildly traumatized or indeed, indeed mentally ill. So it's about all those things. And so, uh, so it's important to address, infuse hope for kids for whom hope is foreign, and then uh, nobody would join a gang. But th- this is why it is our care and and ought to be our intention to indeed, you know, seek to heal, you know, what has been, um, you know, damaged and and how do we repair severed uh belonging some of these youths are themselves fathers 
uh, but they're, they've been absent from their, their children's lives. What happens, what have you seen in, in these fathers when you have reconnected them to their kids? Well, you know, it's funny. Occasionally people will, you know, foundations or people will kind of say, you know, uh, we appreciate what you're doing in terms of intervention, but, you know, we'd rather fund or support prevention. You know, how do we keep kids from, you know, entering gangs in the first place? And so at Homeboy, you know, we, we create kind of a safe place, a sanctuary, if you will. And then gang members become the sanctuary that they sought. And then they go home and they provide that that sanctuary to their children. And suddenly you've broken a cycle. So it's important, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to see it that way, because, you know, unless you're actually, um, you know, dealing with gang members, as I would call intervention, if you're not actually doing that as a society or a city, well, then you're in fact undercutting your best efforts at prevention because, you know, this population will always have more impact and influence on their kids than anybody else. So, so it's, it's quite beneficial, you know, to work with this population. It is in fact, gang prevention and not just intervention because they all have kids and they suddenly decide to raise their kids in a way that was different from how they were raised. These, these youths live around a lot of death and there are again powerful scenes in the book that uh, bring mortality home. What, what kind of counsel regarding death do do the the youth respond to best or most well you know with death you know you're always trying to uh you know somebody a homie texted me devastated by uh, one of our co-workers who just dropped dead of a heart attack and and again the grief is real and the loss is real and the sadness is real but you know birth and death are the same thing. You know, everybody is born and everyone will die. And if death is the worst thing that can happen to you, then you will be toppled by life itself. So you, you want people to put first things recognizably first, and you want to put, you want them to put death in its place. And, uh, and that's hard to do. You know, you, uh, and, it's coupled with the fact that that homies, once they come to Homeboy Industries, they start to value and appreciate and are grateful for the lives they have. And so perhaps for the first time, they're afraid of death because they they like their lives. You know, um, most gang members who go on a foray or a mission, um, you know, to go into enemy territory, they're not hoping to to kill, they indeed are, are hoping to die. And so, you know, you want to be able to um, supplant that with a notion of, you know, that none of us are, are going to live forever, but every single one of us can choose to live 
in the forever, in this moment where uh, we are, in fact, um, you know, delighting in the person in front of us and we are, um, you know, anchored in the present moment with each other. I imagine that law enforcement in Los Angeles loves what you're doing. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you know, I mean, truthfully, the enlightened ones do, and the ones who are less enlightened don't get it. Because if you think the gang member is the bad guy, then then get the bad guy is is what your mission statement is. And if and if you see, you know, me and Homeboy Industries trying to help the bad guy, then you know the friend of our enemy is our enemy. And so that's difficult, you know, and, but it's real. I'd say it's gotten better in the early years. I used to get uh, hate mail from law enforcement officials. You know, you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. And so that was the thing that happened quite a bit, but you know, uh, Every chief of police for the last three in Los Angeles has come to recognize that, uh, you know, the reason gang related homicides had been cut in half and then cut in half again was because of in part because of homeboy industries. Gang members finally had a exit ramp off this crazy, violent freeway. So, again, the enlightened ones, I think, uh, deeply appreciate homeboy's contribution and and the ones who still demonize the gang member uh, probably have a harder time the book is the whole language the power of extravagant tenderness father boyle thank you for joining us i'm honored to have been with you thank you and thank you for listening to our conversation which has been supported by wyoming catholic college which combines great books the catholic tradition and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.